I listened to way too much talk radio this week after the loss. I don't know why. I listened, why would you do that to yourself? I don't know. I I listened to a little Toucher and Rich, and that was just I listened to that before the game. It was just oh god. And then some uh, Zoe and Beetle and some Felger and Mass. So yeah, I did bad. It's like you know how it's like when you hate yourself, you do things to prove that you hate yourself. That's yep. exactly what I did. Um, so it was a rare moment of self-loathing on my part. I'm sorry. Um, I'll try to do better. Uh, but anyway, I, the fans who call in, and just like the talk show hosts themselves, they fail to understand the concept of hockey. Is hockey a one-player sport? Is it like singles tennis? No. 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 How many people? It's not like basketball, where you're, where maybe you may have five people on the on the court, but only one of them really matters, as long as they're they're the right one. Like it's not like that. <laughs> right. How many players are between the goalie and say the red line in a or the other opposing blue line on any any time, like on their team? Five, five other players on the ice. You know, if you're lucky, it's five. <laughs> you're really lucky, it's six. <laughs> oh, no. Um, just kidding. It can't ever be six. Not with the goalie there. But anyway, my point is, is that it, they fail to realize that there is such a thing as defense and team defense. Those are two things that work together and separately. So, you know, if you can't defend in your own zone, if your defense is is basically two competent regulars and then one of those is knocked out, so then you've got the other four guys and one competent guy, it ain't going to work. It's just not going to work. And you can't have Charlie McAvoy play all 60 minutes of the game. You want that, but you can't. Now, until <laughs> Charlie McAvoy clones himself, it's barely in topic podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely on Topic. This is episode 620. And uh, I am VA coming from beautiful Newport, Rhode Island. I know you can you can hear the seagulls. You you can see the sailboats going by. You're you're just ready for that sunset in which you see the Newport Bridge. Yes, I know it's the Pell Bridge, but you see the Newport Bridge like in silhouette against a rainbow colored sky. Yes, you can see all of those things. And I am here virtually with Jeff. Hello, hello, hello. And Tim. Hey there. I want to say that Nick's on assignment this week, but he's playing hockey. In a tournament. Yeah, so he's on assignment, playing hockey in a tournament. There you go. He, he assigned himself to go play hockey in a tournament. Yes, he did. <laughs> that, was, that was very good of him. Good. I hope it works out for him. And he does not have to play against his nemesis, so that's great. Here we are, several days removed from the end of the Boston Bruins season. Because uh, I don't know if you... We're living under a rock, got stuck spelunking in a cave or something, or, you know, you went on some kind of vision quest in, in the desert without any 
internet or phone or anything. Which, in those cases, congratulations on sawing off your own left arm, finding a way out of the cave, or fighting off the coyotes that you were hallucinating while on a peyote safari. Good for you. Congratulations. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations on being back, but I'm sad to tell you that the Boston Bruins lost their playoff series against the New York Islanders, who can go... Well, I'm not going to swear because I'm in somebody else's house, so... To hell. Yes. Anyway, to hell with them. Anyway... I did not anticipate breakup day would be on Friday. We will get into that in a little bit. But before we do that, let's relive the misery just a little bit of games five and six, because I'm going to tell you something. They weren't good. No, 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 they were not. In my notes, as I read to you earlier, I wrote game five atrocious. Took a pull for the third period. And that did happen. Swayman played his first playoff hockey. (laughs) <laughs> and gave up one goal on three shots. So, so like, uh, Swayman was not good either. <laughs> uh, poor Sway. Poor Swayman. But, I mean, he did shore himself up after that for a while, I guess. I mean, he didn't let in more than one. I mean, no, 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 that was three shots total. It wasn't he gave up his third goal on the third shot. He only faced three shots and gave up a goal. <laughs> okay. He had a bad game, too. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a little Let's just get out in front of that. Like I know we're not we're, we're not one to engage in goaltending narratives, but like raw statement of fact. Just just it's just shit all around. Just bad. Just really, really bad. Team didn't didn't help themselves out. They did come back, but they fell short. I think even in that game you could see that the Bruins were running out of gas. We'd clearly reached the limits of what what was left of that defense was capable of. Don't get me wrong. We were about to find out the true scope of what that defense, of, of what that defense could fall to. We'll talk about Grizzly in game six when we get there. But like, yeah. Bruins just didn't have an answer. They didn't have an answer since game three when Carlo got knocked out. They would have had more of an answer had Miller been able to survive the cap series and get into this one. Those catastrophic penalty kills, either of Miller or Carlos available, and I think at least one of those goals doesn't happen in Game Five, which I think makes that at least a competitive game. That 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 puts it at a, that you prevent one of those goals, you go you go to overtime, and then it's anybody's bet. Oh yeah, they had three power play goals, didn't they? Barzal, yeah, uh, or Barzal, Palmieri, and uh, Eberly. Yep. Okay, so. At least one, yeah. maybe two. Who knows? So I was going to say, I guarantee you get one of those guys in, at least one of those goals doesn't happen. Right. So our goaltending was not a match for that. Our defense was terrible. And the only people who seemed to be doing anything in this game for us were Marshy Pasta, McAvoy, who quietly had a multi-point night, and Krejci. When your top two lines are doing all the stuff, your top defenseman, and then the other... And it wasn't really your top two lines doing all the stuff. Krejci's good things were all in the power play without his wingers. Yeah, so basically Smith and and Hall, for their own reasons, were shut down after a while in the series. And yeah, we'll get into Smith in a little while, but with injuries and stuff later on. 
But anyway, yes, I don't really feel like continuing to go on about this game. It sucked. The Bruins sucked. They came back, but they did not win the game. They, they didn't even actually tie it. They just came within range, right? Right. Is that an overtime loss? I can't even keep track. Nope, nope. It was, nope. They, they lost like five to four. So. They came within range, and then the last five minutes of the game, they had like two shots on goal. Oh, right. Isles put on, an, put on an absolute clinic on how to defend a one-goal game, right? <laughs> yeah, it was not great. Which credit right. to the Isles, like they closed out that game like perfectly under the circumstances. I don't think there's very much more we can say about that game. It was bad. Now, was that the game after which Bruce Cassidy went off on the officiating, or was that uh, the game before? Yes. Yeah, and and remember, it wasn't necessarily blown calls; it was just inconsistency. Bruins got whistled for things that got, that got that, that walked. Like I don't love it when coaches do that, but what other fucking choice did Bruce have? We said last week, Bruce, if you're only going to get fined, who cares? Go Say it, Ruby. Yeah. Now I think one of the worst things he did there was call them something that could be coined and weaponized by their by the Isles fan base. And sure enough, there are already people saying selling New York Saints New York Saints shirts. Well. A lot of those New York Saints shirts, though, also are the actual team that played in New York. There was like a lacrosse team that played in some like random lacrosse league, and their name was the New York Saints. In any case, like, like um, he he did the right thing. I stand by it. Absolutely, I have no problem with that. It works for it's worked for Barobi. It's it work. It's worked for Brindamore. Like there was no fucking reason for it not to work for Bruce. It didn't work well. I mean, it worked. The whistles for, were fair. In game six. It worked for trots before game, which five. is ridiculous because like they've been getting they were getting the, getting the calls all game all fucking series. And the weird thing about trots's complaints about Bergeron and the faceoff dots, it was coming off of a game where Bergeron was catastrophically bad at the dot. Mm-hmm. Who knew his kryptonite was JG Pajot? But there we are. Indeed. I can't stand that. It was very frustrating to watch from that aspect because it's like Trot's just, he's not even ball washing the officials. He's just, he he's saying this thing and then it's like, oh, what do we see in game five? Well, Bergie's tossed off the dot a few times for whatever reason. It's just so dumb. And coming after the guy who's nominated for his 10th Selkie in a row. Yeah. Cheats. You know what? And- if you do things within the rules, right? It's not cheating. It's gamemanship. Also, I'm glad that Cassidy brought that brought that into his comments and was like, "Listen, have some respect for Patrice Bergeron. Like, holy crap! Like, I'm glad that he actually brought that up. Trotz may have not been like completely ball washing, but after Cassidy said his comments. And then they asked Trotz about working the refs, and he says, I don't work them, I respect them. That was the ball washing. That was the complete deep throat fondling of the balls and everything. That was a reach around. (laughs) (laughs) It really was. Like, oh my god. That's the only way I could think about it, because it was like, both these guys are mutually doing this to each other. (laughs) 
Oh, Jeff's face right now is just like, he's, he's, that sums it up. There we go. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to game six, which I wrote, uh, McAvoy receives high hit from Palmieri after the whistle, which is not called. McAvoy left game to go to the room, and Isles scored. Boy, so, oh boy, did they score. So you see that right there, like that, don't get me wrong, the Bruins weren't actually playing all that well before that. I don't honestly think they were ever winning that game in retro. Remember, having seen the first period, I'd already resolved and resigned myself to, like, they're going to lose this. At least they better make it a thing. I also was feeling like if they managed to, they're fucked for game seven. It's sort of like, you know, 2013 finals. Like if they managed to melt, drag their, drag their asses through game six, they weren't winning a game seven in that series. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, Bergie had to be hospitalized for four days. So no way there. Yeah. Um, so like, but then that happens that, that hit and that's like, that was late. It was the head was the primary contact. That should have been a fucking major. Yeah. He put his elbow up. Hit him right in the in the chin. shoulder, I think, into his jaw. Well, shoulder and jaw, whatever. He, I don't have to worry about this anymore because let's re- be realistic. I'm probably not watching any more hockey this year. I might watch the finals. I'm not watching. I'm not watching the, the third round at all. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know. There's a part of me that wants to see the Habs, the Golden Knights. Just. I don't know why. I just have to. Well, because we found out on Twitter that uh, the team. That won the cup the year that I that you're born is the team you have to root for. So, I... now of course, our circle are mostly born in the '80s, so most of us are either stuck with the Isles or the Oilers. Yeah, um, I was so close to '88 because the the Oilers beat the Bruins that year. So close, so close. I was not. I was born in the '70s. What an ugly time. People wore really bad hair. Big, big mustaches. Ugh. I mean, no, there was some hair. Afros, absolutely cool. But a lot of women and men did not look great in that. And then terrible, the leisure suit. Oh, polyester leisure suits. Come on. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is this. I was born in one of the years, one of the many years that the Habs won the cup okay i mean there's only four years that decade they didn't so yeah i mean (laughs) our friend ben he was born in a year where the bruins actually won the cup so good for him but you know uh yeah there were many many Ben's older than i thought he was okay (laughs) uh ben's about six months older than me but okay i'm born in may and he's born at the end so ah yes I'm just saying he was born in a year that the Bruins won the cup. And actually it was, it was a monumental year because that was the last time the Bruins had won the cup before 2011. I'm, I'm curious about the Habs, but I really, really, really cannot fucking stand NBC sports right now. I just can't do it. Pierre, that this is what I, I, this is a very long way to get to Pierre kept saying, he said this like four or five times that was after the whistle. That was after the whistle. Paul Mary, what he did was after the whistle. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. That's roughing at the very that least. That makes it worse. <laughs> at the very least, that's roughing, you know, if not more. There are plenty of things well, that were called the after the whistle. There was no whistle. penalty at all. Yeah, he didn't even get a fine. 
Yeah, like like that that blew my mind. It's like, wait, 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 really? Like like fucking Richie got got a fine for that elbow, but this didn't get one. What the fuck? Come on, Nick Richie got a fine for being Nick Richie. That's that's basically what's happened. He's gotten two fines this off uh, this postseason. So and then okay, fine, no no penalty, fine, but like no one fucking fought Palmieri. Yes. That was the like other. If Miller thing. was on the ice. Palmieri would be would be a corpse. They'd be planning his funeral right now. Tenorti, who's been known to go after guys, but maybe not so much after the Tanev hit uh, that one time. Tenorti should have beaten the snot out of somebody out of Palmieri. Obviously, I'd expect something out of Lausanne, but knowing things we found out a few days later, I get it. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, nobody, nobody. Did the like under the circumstances? Literally anyone, up to and including Bergy, would have been would have been appropriate to fight him because at least it's a fair trade. Palmieri is a good player, and like that's that's the thing that needs to happen is someone needs to fight him at that point. Even if they're you're you're the best player and captain, that's the right thing to do. What in the actual fuck was that? Why do we allow fighting in the league if no one's gonna fucking do it then? <laughs> Palmieri with a beard is a good player. Paul Mary without a beard is a terrible player. Apparently, yes. But, I told you. Like, so I don't understand. Like, what, what the fuck was the deal with the team there? Why didn't they do anything? Because they were gassed. It was a tie game, so you trade players. It's not like you're already trailing. And Paul Mary went and scored the next goal. And another one later. <laughs> I have to give a, a point to the people who say this team doesn't have a lot of fight in them. Because they didn't. <sighs> yeah. So I, I don't exactly understand why no one did anything, but they didn't do anything. And uh, so basically after that, you just let them have a field day. I mean, ultimately that outcome is sort of points to use of why the fuck didn't they dress Frederick? Yeah, <laughs> Frederick wouldn't have let that go unpunished. He didn't even need anything that substantial. <laughs> because, come on, it's Freddy. He just needed a reaction instead of just quietly going into the night <laughs> which is what they did at that point freddie would have followed freddie would have found a way to get on the ice with him and just followed him from one end to the other just making way for that time to do it he would have freaking stalked him yep so yeah so the bruins not only did they lose that game they just it was a disaster they didn't even did they take any shots on goal after marshy's goal maybe not no i don't believe they did yeah, that was five thirty-eight of the third. They were done. They were done. Yeah, they they just did. They just showed up, and then nothing. Just just done. And, and I I want to get this out of the way, too. Regardless, Jesus Christ Himself could have been in that, and the the Bruins were not winning that game. It doesn't matter who was in that that game. So like, the defense was so bad. They collapsed so epically. It didn't matter. So, like, Swayman wouldn't have made a difference in this game. Also, if you do play Swayman in this game, you then have a shell shock Swayman after that game. Also, he gets to sit and stew on that for four months, killing his confidence. Nope. That's why he didn't play. That's why you don't do that. He's a young player. You don't want to ruin him. Not exactly the same circumstance, but Claude didn't play Malcolm Subban against the Oilers, whom he should have played them against, and instead chose to play him against a pretty good St. Louis Blues team. Remember that? He would have been fine against the Oilers, because the Oilers were oiling. 
you know what the problem with this team is? Is in the games that how lifeless it's been reliably over the last several seasons. In the games, it gets it get it gets eliminated in just utterly. There has nothing to it. Like like I mean, game six this year. What was that game? Five or six against? I can't even remember how many games that ran against Tampa last year. Five, I assume. Five. I think it was five. They only they won the first game Um, and then Tampa game seven against against St. Louis. Like they were and held elimination when they were eliminated against against uh, Tampa the year before that. It's four years in a row that when they get eliminated, they just go out in a whimper, not even a fucking bang. No, no. And it's not like you can say, oh, because they lost Chara because three of those were with Chara on the with Chara on the team. Like there's. I don't know what this team is missing, but there's something soft at its core and not like, I don't know. They lack fortitude. Absolutely. The will to win. I don't know. I, we used to joke about the will to win as Red Sox fans because the Red Sox used to play random players that no one liked. And the coach would always say, well, he's got the will to win. But like, that's kind of what it is. It's it's weird. I don't understand what it is. And even like it's like to like going back to 2019, that first period where they were down after in game seven to nothing, but they had like 16 or 17 shots on goal. So when things don't go there, like if they're doing something right and they don't get a break or two, they just kind of quit. It's like they just get dejected. I, I know it's like they're they're just they get so dejected. And just that carries through their play. Well, you know, here's a here's a very interesting thing to think about. Remember how they used to talk about the Bruins having a sports psychologist? You could meet with them individually. You could meet with them group-wise, however you wanted to do it. That was a couple of seasons ago that they talked about that. And I haven't heard much on it since. I think especially in this year of covid where everything was very different, especially when you have a fair amount of young guys who they can't even like room together, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if like that has a factor for some of the players, because you had your players like Marshy was still like, you know, producing when he could. It's tough. It's tough being on the top line because they're going to try to shut you down all the time. And they did for parts of the series. But like you look at like Mar- like like Pasta had like a vast portion of the regular season where he was most where he wasn't achieving nothing too right like basically March. Pa- we know Pasta's a lively personality. He goes out there and uh, he he goes out on the town. He likes to he likes to be with the team. He's close with all the, his line mates. Like all of that and that could have affected him. And you know what? And every week, once a week, he usually goes to the kids' hospital. He hasn't been able to do that. I, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying this year has been different for everyone. And for the for for the uh, hockey players, having to be out of their routines, having to be out of social circles, they're not even really able to like spend time with each other outside of the rink, right? Uh, and they're yeah. limited it at the rink. That really messes. Well, they with can't you. even hang out at the hotel. I mean, like that. You know, the, the Caps got that huge fine for because the, the four Russians were hanging out at their ho- one of their hotel rooms. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's like you can't discount that. That affected people in different ways, you know. And then think about it's it. A, okay, almost certainly a big part of why Studnika had such a 
what was supposed to be a, a good, uh, supposed to be an imp- a promising rookie season just did not happen. Yeah, and, and so you know, and then think about the guys who are uh, are family guys. It's like you you want to spend time with your family, but at a certain point, you really would like to be somewhere else. <laughs> you know i mean i'm away from my husband this week for the first time in i don't know how long night uh, what uh 15 15 16 months and i miss him i already miss him and that's great because when i get home then i will have really missed him you know there's something to be said for like you know for the players especially when they're used to going out spending time with each other having camaraderie and then they come home to their families and they're so happy to be home with their families and all that stuff. But it's when you had to spend all that time at home with your families, then you were in the bubble for a little while. And then you still had months at home with your families and they're dealing with the same crap that you are, where it's like, oh, um, I have kids who have to do online learning or I have to do this, that and the other thing. Are the kids going to school all you know, it's like all these different things, you know, the younger guys don't necessarily have that going on, but they have their own issues. And being social creatures, a lot of these guys are very social, especially with each other. When they don't have that, that sucks. You know, we're getting out of it. We're beginning to get out of it. They were so stoked to have stadiums full of fans, you know, but the NHL is pretty strict with how they have to be right now, too. So it's like, even though they get all of that, they can't necessarily do that in their private lives right now. I guess maybe now they can because it's like, mm-hmm. well, their season's over. So hopefully some of these guys will bounce back. But it was a tough year. And the guys just ran out of gas. They ran out of gumption. They just fell flat in the final two games. And we're here trying to make sense of it. No, I know we're not there yet, but the, it's relevant right now. So I'm going to bring it up. The fact that several guys who are, you know, pretty new to Boston all specifically talked about their staying for a few weeks and basically doing Boston stuff because they haven't been able to. That's Hall, Smith, and um, Richie all said that. Now, mind you, it's also because, like, in Richie's case, there's no fucking point in going back to Ontario just yet. But... Same, same thing with Hall. <laughs> same thing with Hall. He, there, he doesn't want to go back to Toronto yet. Taylor Hall, Nick Richie. Craig Smith, you just just message me, message me at VR, uh, VA from RI or uh, at Queen of Pies on Instagram. Just message me. I'll hang out with you. I'll show you Boston things. We, we will do fun stuff that we'll see all the sites. We'll, we'll do the Freedom Trail. It'll be really great. Let's just do it. We'll go to Lexington and Concord, you know, because I, I heard that uh, Craig Smith said he's a big history guy, so... I'm glad that they, they want to hang around town and stuff like that. I mean, you know, you said that we're not there yet. We might as well just be right there right now. Taylor Hall wants to be here, guys. He does. He could not have said that even more. I think saying that fits more important than money, he fits. Both And then both Smith, he, Smith, and Krejci all emphasized during, during exit interviews how much fun they had playing with one another. Like, yes. Krejci hasn't had fun with his line mates since the last season that Luch and Horton were here. Like, maybe a bit with Horton and with Luch and Inginla, but I think really it was losing. Even that was less so for him, I think. Krejci has suffered for a long time, and we finally give him the things that he needs. 
And it would be a stupid goddamn shame if they don't re-sign him. At least for two years. Two years. Sign him for two years. Well, I was going to say, at this point, you know what? I was thinking, is like, you know what? There's arguments for letting Krejci go, but actually I've changed my mind at this point. It's like this team's going on the downward slope anyway. Hold on to what we've got. Let Krejci retire as a bro and hope to God that they consider retiring his number down the road. Although I think he's going to get the – although I suspect Krejci's going to get Cashmaned. He could get Middleton. That's to say play for multiple decades – play for the team for like 40 years and then not get – get your number retired. Um. He could be Middletoned. Give me Middleton. Middleton had to wait a long time. I mean, there's still not an optimal scenario because that took way too fucking long. But better than being Cashman, yes. <laughs> You've got two bona fides right now uh, from this group from the last, like, you know, 14 years. Uh, you got Bergeron, absolutely. And you've got uh, Chara. Mm-hmm. And then Marshy. Um, at this point, I think that Marshy's a guarantee as well. I was just going to say, Marshy is making a very strong case for himself. Like, look, come on. He has an A. He could theoretically, he, no, he could be captain for like one year if Bergie decides to hang it up. <laughs> I am ready for Captain I mean, Brad. If Bergie's done after this contract, he'll be captain for a few years because oh, because Marshy has like three more years on his contract after that. But <laughs> bring it, Captain Marshan, Captain Brad, Captain Brad, Captain Brad. I mean, I'm nothing against Mar- uh, Bergie. I love Bergie, you know. But Brad, Brad showed this year that he deserved the A. He really deserved the A because when everybody else was just they couldn't get out of their own way. He's the guy who kept producing, you know, he uh, didn't he fight somebody at one point. It's not necessarily his place, but he's like, I got to show the guys that, you know, this is, this is something we do. Taylor Hall scoring, right? So he, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where he ends up in the, in the um, rankings for the, for, for the heart, for example, he, he wasn't a finalist, but I want to see, see if he's, fourth or fifth anything lower than that it'll be a tragedy but <laughs> yeah i think i think he got screwed on that i think it was a reputation call for some reason it's, which is interesting because it's like his third year in a row that he's been in the heart conversation so like eventually you should see a breakthrough in being a finalist but whatever well i'm also imagining that his penalty minutes shouldn't have been that bad this year either right Give me a moment. Not that that's a consideration or should be a consideration, but I think some people are just like, oh, he's a rat. Right? Oh, yeah. He only had 46 PIMs in uh, 53 games. The last time he had fewer penalty minutes than games played was 17-18. Give him the Lady Bing! (laughs) (laughs) It would be hilarious. This is only the fifth season he's ever had fewer PIMs than games played. Wow. Give him the Lady Bing. Scrap all the others. Just him. Just him. You're right, Tim. Taylor Hall fought. We don't need to see that again. Just play really well, Taylor. That's how you can help us. Yeah, that was not that was not great. So, yes, and we also found out that Taylor Hall has a girlfriend, which I gotta mm-hmm. tell you, I was shocked by. You know, in I Jeff- was gonna say, he's got strong, strong, like, just, just committed bachelor of my vibes. 
Exactly. Exactly. So, Not like Playboy Bachelor, just guy that is tends to be alone because that's just his way. <laughs> yeah. So good. He and his girlfriend want to hang out in the city and and no doubt they want to look for a place or something. So good, 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 good. You know, so give them give them the sign that that's that's a, a thing to do so they can they don't have to get all that stuff done, you know, in September or something. I know other sports, some other sports, people don't want to come play for Boston. You know, with the, the New England Patriots, you have to buy into the Belichick way of, of doing things. And I was people... going to say, yeah, like like playing for Belichick seems hard. It is hard, but you know what? I bet you it is so amazingly rewarding. Well, that's just it. You, you play for Belichick under the right teams, of course. Like, you, you, you got a fucking ring. So, like, I would think most players would be – would have, during the Brady years, have been, like, enthusiastic to to, to, to to muck their way through the hell for that purpose. But mm. Rodney Harrison said that he met him at, like oh, – um, at like a sizzler or something. He thought he was going to go to Ruth's Chris steakhouse. They went to like a sizzler. There was like peanut shells all over the floor. And, and Belichick was like, I, I really like your play. I want you to be on our team. He, and this is, you know, he had just come from the chargers where, you know, they made it to the Super Bowl once. And, and Rodney Harrison had a bad reputation, but he, he liked to play hard. So like, if you get guys who they could probably make money, elsewhere uh, or you know they could probably dictate their own terms a little bit more elsewhere they're probably not going to win then that's a good thing uh i the celtics i really don't know what's up with that and they became like a a bomb went off like in the past week or so so i have no idea but people don't want to play for the celtics and i don't i don't understand why tim you might know more than i was gonna say kimba walker was like a big deal signing like just two years ago and he wants out right (laughs) well he he it's not as much that he wants out uh the celtics want out oh kimba come on we have a birthday that we share don't leave He's just, I, I, I think the the Celtics are not impressed that uh, he has been um, less than healthy, and um, that's kind of their reason. So this is me. like some of the bullshit around the Hayward, the, the Gordon Hayward, um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, um, 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 breakup there too. It's like that wasn't fucking Hayward's fault. Hayward, Hayward's fault that his you know leg broke in horrifying vomit inducing fashion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, Hayward went on to have a good year with the Hornets, so I expect the same to happen with uh, Kemba wherever he goes. But yeah, the Celtics. They're looking for a new head coach because their head coach is now their president and of basketball operations. So um, Danny Ainge retired, and then they were like, Brad Stevens, let's just make you president, I guess. <laughs> oh, like... <laughs> yeah, I guess. It had to have been in, wor- in the works for a little while at least because that seems like a move you don't just make on a whim. But... Yeah, they're looking for a new head coach, and I want them to hire the Spurs assistant head coach Becky Hammond. Oh, that would be great. She's she's inter- I know she's interviewing for the Trailblazers job in Portland and the Magic job in Orlando. So 
now, she has other options, but like, yeah, she's not the one that in uh, that that was uh, an assistant a couple of years ago. That's the woman who's over at Duke, right? Right. That's Carol Lawson. I wouldn't mind her either, but with Coach K would... resigning, I mean uh, retiring soon, you kind of want to stay there, don't you? Well, she's the women's head coach at Duke. Oh, she's the women's head coach. Yeah, she's the women's head coach at Duke. It's still like a high-profile job because the Duke women's program, it's not as well-known as the men's program, but, like, it's still good. It's still top-tier. I could be wrong, but I think she went there. Like, I think she played at Duke. I could be totally wrong on that, but, like... Could be a dream job situation. It, it could be. But I wouldn't mind... I mean, obviously, the Celtics are familiar with her. Obviously, Brad Stevens is, is. She was on the staff for a few years. So I wouldn't mind her either. I heard that the players really liked her. So that's that would be a reason why I'd want her. Um, I, I got to tell you, as a woman, if I had the chance to be the first female head coach in a male-dominated sport or a male sport, I would totally do that. Um, because... It's hard being the first, but you broke down a barrier. So that's really awesome. I wish she would consider doing that. But if dream, if if Duke is the dream job, it's the dream job. So that's what you do. But anyway, you know, so those are the things. And I don't think that the Bruins have a reputation now for being a team that nobody wants to play for, right? I mean, uh, Coach Cassidy is different than Claude Julien. It seems like the guys uh, really like, you know, the, the, the core guys that are here. Who was it? Uh, it was Taylor Hall, who is like, I'm really learning a lot playing behind Brad Marchand. I, I've learned a lot from him in this short time that I've been here. So it's like when you've got a guy who's been around for 10 years and he's still learning stuff from a guy who's a few years older than him, then that's great. That's the best case scenario, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And a guy who, who they had the same rookie season. Oh, yeah, because Marshy's had to work mm -hmm. it. I mean, he played 20 games mm -hmm. the year before. Like, technically, that's no, and I think it's 25 is the threshold to be um, uh, Calder eligible. So, yep, they had the same rookie season. <laughs> A guy who has been given basically everything based on talent, right? Let's just say mm -hmm. that. That's, that's Taylor Hall. To be impressed by a guy who really had to work his way to get where he is, and he never took it for granted. That's the thing I love about Marshan. Never took it for granted. By the way, I had a dream about Brad Marshan last night. Um, and he was really mad at me. And he told me to stop being a Bruins fan. Apparently, I did something really egregious. And uh, I was very sad that he was mad at me. And I was like, but Brad, I love you. Please don't be mad at me. Anyway, just wanted to tell you that. Brad, I do love you. Don't be mad at me. By the way, did you hear about the uh, the uh, Bruins fan who paid his parking ticket this week? No. No. Okay, so Brad Marchand has a big, ugly Escalade. <laughs> it's an Escalade truck that he had a wrap put on. So it's like this matte, like, olive green color or so. I'm guessing his plates are Nova Scotia plates. So somebody recognized that as Brad Marchand's truck. It got a parking ticket. So the guy took some cash out, wrote a note, put it under the uh, the windshield wiper next to the ticket and asked Marshy to let him know if he got it. He was like, you had a great season this year. I, I'm a big Bruins fan. 
you know, keep doing the good stuff, you know, let me know if you got this. And so that's what happened. It was uh, on Twitter. And presumably that guy got a, an instant message on Instagram uh, with the, the picture of the money in the note. So yeah, that's funny. But anyway, sorry, I digress. So breakup day happened on Friday. And uh, it was a very sad day. You had Bergy making comments about not knowing if he wants to play beyond his contract, right? Yeah, he said he's taking it year at a time now. He did say that his groin this year provided it caused no issues, which is the first time in like four or five years. Yes, good. That sense, I mean, and it was unique that he took part in the entirety of camp this year. He hadn't done that in a very long time. <laughs> right. Um, so that is great. Uh, you know, to me, it sounded like his comments were like, we're still getting by this loss. We had what we thought was pretty close to a championship caliber team here. And we are, we don't know what's going to happen, basically. Right. He, I, it's got to be weighing on his mind, uh, the Tuca and the the Krejci contracts for sure. Yeah, and these have been his teammates since two, these guys have been his teammates since what oh uh, nine and ten respectively, or Krejci break the break no, before because he and Krejci would have played together earlier than that in in Providence at some point. So, like I know Krejci and Bergie aren't tight. Like that's a, that's always been a thing with them, right? They're, 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 it's a purely professional relationship and always has been, but still <laughs> yeah well it's like the guy in the cubicle next to you that has worked with you for... yeah, yeah exactly they're co-workers not buddies but like they've worked together so long <laughs> their wives are buddies so it's like there's a lot of stuff going on it may not be about who your buddies with it might just purely be like you know our work environment's going to change and that is something that's inevitable but i haven't had to think about it until today Honestly, if you're a center on this team and specifically Bergie of watching the possibility of Krejci going and looking who's there, who's who, who's downstream and considering the season that Coyle just had. Like, if I was Bergie, I'd be scared shitless. Yeah, it, it doesn't look very good. Oh, God, I'm going to do it all myself now. Even more so. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so we had that. Then we had, let's go right into Krejci. Krejci doesn't know what's going to happen. He wants to take a few days to think about that. And he said he can't even give his parents a, a full answer, like a straight answer about it. So it's not even just he doesn't know the team's intentions. He doesn't even know what he wants to do. Right. He, uh, he made comments years ago that this would be his last contract in, in Boston, which I remember that. I did not remember this part, but he said that he wanted to go back home, finish his career in Czech, in the Czech Republic. I, I said those things back then for different reasons than I would do that now. He's like, uh, you know, I want my kids, if, if I play, finish my career in, in, in Czech Republic, uh, my kids will learn the language. I want them to learn the language because my parents don't speak English. Which, this is an interesting thing to me because, hey, um, okay, so it's an interesting reason to want to go play in Czech Republic, but it also indicates to me that he doesn't actually have any plans on moving back full time otherwise, because he doesn't need to go there to play to have to go live there for a few years. So his kids can learn Czech. True. Which makes sense. His wife's from, his wife's from the Carolinas. There's summer homes in South Carolina. Yeah. Okay. It's, that's all fair. I'm not sure he's, if he's naturalized or something, but he definitely 
he, he's been married for quite a while. So however those immigration things work. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, he can't speak Czech to his kids at home without leaving his wife out. His kids are young enough that they could take the language like that. So those are things to, to think about. But it doesn't sound like he wants to live there full time. It's it's different with the with the the charas, right? Because his wife is also Slovakian, so yeah. they could uh, or Slo- Slovak, so they could both they speak the language at home. In fact, primarily when he talks to the kids, he speaks in Slovak. I was going to say at this point, his kids are probably maybe not quite polyglots to the point he is, but like are at least or at least fully bilingual. I mean, like Chara is a, a freak. Chara is like Pete Buttigieg level of uh, level polyglot, but. <laughs> Living in Europe, it's a lot easier to do that because you're just yeah. exposed to the other countries all the time. You know what I mean? Because think about where Slovakia is. It's like, uh, it, it well, Czechoslovakia bordered Germany, bordered Poland, bordered all sorts of things. I was going to say, like, I would think it's almost impossible to live in that part of Central Europe and not speak at least two languages. Yeah, exactly. But- and then some of the languages are so similar that you can just pick stuff up very quickly. You know, sometimes wrong, but sometimes very quickly. But anyway, my point is, is that uh, poor uh, David Krejci doesn't know what he wants to do. There hasn't, there haven't been any uh, contract talks, of course. Uh, he design. did say that he can't see it. He didn't say he doesn't want to play for another team. He said he can't see himself playing for another team, which is a a substantial difference in my mind, at least. Mm. But still. Yeah, I mean, we were trading him to Carolina. Poor guy. Yeah, That wasn't because of you. We wanted to help you, man, but it's fine. Carolina ended up going out the same round that you did, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, in the... He's another one that sort of sounded like his words, basically, like, if he wants to stay, he hasn't given his agent, much like Hall, a lot of room to work with, a, a lot of room to work with. So, like, you know, a lot of agents to taking a lot to taking a lot of tums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. The other day because of that. The other relevant one on that stream, of course, is Rask. Yeah. And this is a big topic in general. There is no more polarizing player in Boston sports right now than Tuka Rask. Right now is probably overly specific. I mean, like for like the last 10 years. All right. There's a range. (laughs) 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 I love being corrected on my segs, but anyway, it's okay. So, Tuka, let's talk about his injury. He has a torn labrum. Where have we heard this before? And, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. But curiously enough, I didn't actually know what the labrum was. So I looked it up this week. I thought I knew what it was, but I was very wrong. The fact that anybody recovers from this is amazing to me. Because remember, Pasta got that surgery. It took a time. It took time to recover. At one point this season, he did complain of his hip hurting. Maybe that's just the normal thing for this kind of injury, because I imagine it takes a while because of the nature of the injury. The labrum is basically the cushioning inside the ball so- uh, the, the ball and socket joint. It cushions the socket from the ball. 
Well, that makes sense because you have it in your shoulder too. So right, right. So any ball and uh, socket uh, joints will have the labrum. That's why I got confused about the labrum. I thought it was a shoulder labrum. No, it's it's a hip labrum. So he has a hip labrum tear that might have happened last year in the Carolina uh, series in the bubble. Yeah, he thinks it happened game two. He said there was a pop. It didn't hurt a lot, but it wasn't right. But here's the thing. That injury doesn't necessarily hurt a lot until you've worn away enough tissue. Yep. <laughs> Basically, when you start pushing yourself towards osteoarthritis as a complication from it. Yes, yes. So basically, you can go around with this injury for a long time before the the accumulation of the wear and tear really affects you. So basically, he needs surgery. The, you know, there were there were words after the the series ended about, "Oh, I don't know if he needs surgery. He needs surgery." In fact, when he said when uh when when he said he needed surgery, I just popped into my head uh, uh, the janitor from Scrubs, uh, where he was telling everybody that episode that they need surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jan Etor. <laughs> he just sounds so confident. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so he's going to need the surgery. So he's not even going to be in until like January or February at the earliest, right? Just like uh, pasta, right? Pasta had a fast recovery. Yeah. This is a common injury for players who have repetitive motions, especially hockey players. I looked this up on the Mayo Clinic website, by the way. So they know a little bit of Tim something. Tim Thomas had a labrum tear replacement after his catastrophically bad 09-10 season. Now, mind you, his clearly was not clear as far advanced because he had it and was back in time for the preseason. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, he... Won a Vezina and a Conn Smythe the year, the season after doing so. So, um. <laughs> so it was good that he got it repaired, is what we're saying. Basically, Tuka even said, I don't even know what they're going to find when they open this up. It could be worse than we think. So he, he cast some doubt into his future, obviously. It, it's bad enough that his back injury in March was a consequence of favoring it. Oh my god. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Oh, he he basically that seems to be the consensus like it's like I and even he said it's like uh favoring it. I think I agitated my back's what happened there. It's like Whew. Yeah. You know, I almost wonder if it would have been better for him mid-season to just go get the surgery. I hate that. It, obviously it would have knocked him out for the playoffs and stuff, but for him to go through all of that and not have the surgery, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad he's going to go get the surgery. Now, I'm not going to be one of these loons criticizing him for 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 playing through injury at the hurt of his team. Like, there's some really dumb takes from coming from multiple directions on this. Both people on on Rask's side and again, I'm calling Rask soft and calling Rask a dumbass. I'm just like, I don't agree with any of it. It's like, well. What else was he going to do? Oh, no, I'm not there. I'm I'm saying from his own personal point of view, like that had I, to I, be I'm really blown painful. away that he continued to play. Like, I am just shocked. I'm like, wow, Rask, you're a fucking trooper. How could anyone ever criticize you for call you anything else? Well, yeah, it, it, it makes no a sense. Fucking trooper. It makes no sense <laughs> when we laud all these other people for doing that. But he is all of a sudden selfish because he did it. Gregory Campbell. He was on the ice. <laughs> I mean, pick and choose. 
Tuca's damned if he do, does, damned I if mean, he like, doesn't. I mean, like, Bergy playing, like, playing while, like, you know, like, counting down the seconds until his punctured lung turned into a pneumo fucking thorax. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with Tuca, if he hadn't played, it would have been, oh, he quit on the team again. Because people said he quit last year, and they'll be like, well, two years oh, yeah, in a row he, that he quit. And, and then now that he played well, he put the team in jeopardy. So, like, but, screw Cassidy for letting him do it, blah, 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 blah. Well, how about screw you? That's so part of the thing, though, Rask never played more than three consecutive games this season, regardless of time off. And then played 11. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were trying to manage it in season, obviously. I mean, late the season, off. they weren't even dressing him for consecutive games, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why do it? Why do it when you had the goalies? Why do it? No, but- no. In the playoffs, you, you don't really have an alternative. So, well, you know what? That's not necessarily true because what did the Islanders do? They put Sorokin. That's fucking weird, though. They put him in. It, it, they okay. Varlamov had a terrible first round against Pittsburgh, so they pulled him out and put Sorokin, uh, Sorokin in, and then for uh, they put Sor- Sorokin in for the first game against the Bruins, and then he did terribly, and then they put in Varlamov. Um, so it's like, yes, I know that's Apparently it's like the first time ever a team's had two different goalies win all four games in different series. Well, oh they're going to lose against Tampa. So hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> you know, I mean, fucking yeah. league deserves is for the Habs, for the Habs and Islanders to go to the cup final and just no one want to watch that shit. <laughs> no, please. No. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no! The league fucking deserves this because of the because of the officiating this playoffs for in every single series and game. The league deserves no fucking better. <laughs> yeah, the le- maybe the league. The does league do- does not deserve a Tampa Vegas Cup final, is what I'm saying. Even though viewers do, <laughs> I just want nothing good to ever happen to the Islanders or their fans. That's all. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't ask for much, but I ask that never, no good ever come to this. Such a joyless brand of hockey. Like, not like Guy Boucher joyless, but like, not fucking far off. It's not very far off. Look, they don't have Johnny anymore. Not in any playing capacity, so I don't have to love them. That's the way I look at it. And then, right now I hate them. That's it. That's, that's how it is. Okay, so let's get back to Tuca. So, uh, Tuca really wants to come back to Boston. He's, he's yeah. And he that. said unambiguously, it's Boston or a bust. I mean, he didn't even talk particularly rosily about going and playing in Finland. Oh, he, he said he just was basically like, I own a team there. So, like, maybe that would work. It wasn't enthusiastic about it. Oh, then, he, then he goes on and says, like, I got kids and family here. This is our home. These kids are in school and have friends. Like, he's talking like someone that plans on staying in Boston after after he's done, too. And you know what? Boston doesn't deserve them. Absolutely not. You got people who want to be here. There are people who who want to be here to support your economy, you know, and you just, you you shit all over them. I I just, I can't believe it. But anyway, yeah, it doesn't sound like he wants to go back to Finland, not full time, you know, maybe back to for summers or something. Because it gets hot here and stupid, but, you know, it's warmer here than it is in Finland during the rest of the year. And the, his kids, obviously, his wife, I think his wife really likes it here. She's got a lot of friends 
here. You know, not to say she doesn't have them at home. He said he could play in Finland or the Czech League. He owns a team. I thought it was funny that he says, I, I, yeah, I own part of a team in Finland. I thought that was like a throwback to Jaromir Jager or something. Because what, <laughs> what is Jager doing? He's still playing. <laughs> Occasionally playing for the team he owns. Apparently, seems like more or less when he feels like it. Because he, he isn't a full-time player anymore. Well, well, I mean, you know, in between the girls. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, you know, I mean, he's got fucking to do. Yeah. It didn't sound like Tuca was looking for a huge term or lots of money to come back. He just wants to come back. And he said, I will help Jeremy Swayman. Because obviously yeah, Her- uh, Swayman is going to be looked at as being at least one of the starters. So... And Swayman had said before that Tuca was a rock star and that he really helped him through uh, the time that he was playing. Here's the thing. Rask is going to be insanely cheap to sign because he's not available for, fuck, like over half the season. Right? Yep. Like we're talking like they could probably get Rask for a million five for next year. The question is what else that means they have to do about goaltending. Hmm. Fluto seems about 100% confident there's no way this team goes into the season running a Swayman-Vladar pair. It would be scary for sure, but it also really depends on what you have in front of them and and what kind of defensive depth you have beyond that. Because basically you can say, oh, we'll have these six guys in front of him. But then you know people are going to be injured. So that's a, that's another piece. That's That's another reason why you don't want to say goodbye to Krejci because he's he's also another really great two-way player. Mm-hmm. God, the future is so uncertain right now. Well, as I said, like, so Bruins got to pick up another goalie, like a veteran, but it has to be one that, like, is willing to accept the possibility of not playing anymore after February. Halak! <laughs> like, honestly, that's probably the only way Halak's career is not over after this season. What's Dobby doing? He's got two years. He's got two years of term on his contract mm. at like 3.8 or something like that. You've got uh, Reimer and Mrazek. Reimer or Bernier both seem like guys that would sign to, to sign in this in this situation. I hate to tell you this. I'd almost rather go with Reimer. I feel like he's more consistent. Bernier is like jumping from team to team to team. He, he's been, despite being in Detroit, decent the last three seasons. Oh, really? He's in Detroit for three seasons now? Yeah. Wow. I thought he had been with the Avs. He was only and... in uh, Tampa and, 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 and the Avs one season each. And not Tampa, um, Anaheim. Mm. And the Avs one season each, so. Okay. Hmm. Bernier, huh? How old is Bernier? Uh, 31, maybe. Really? That you young? Know. Yeah, probably. Da-da-da-da. 32. Okay, close. Well, yeah, that's a good bet. It is all about getting a player who is just going to be like, okay, I'll play my time and then you're just going to pay me. So it's fine. If you can get Tuka back really cheap, then that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Other things from, uh, from Closeout Day. Another Tuka-related matter. Every single player went out of their way to defend to defend Tuka Rask. This was clearly a, a talk, discussed and coordinated thing. Yeah. Like, you think Charlie Coyle would have had things to say about his catastrophically bad season. But no, a lot of what he talked about was how great Tuca is and how much they all trust him. 
Well, he did say that he wants to be a more consistent player. For someone that's usually a reasonably talky guy, wasn't terribly insightful about his own, about himself, which was kind of disappointing, to be perfectly honest. But uh, Talky and, and insightful are two different things. Well, okay, I'm not talking, I'm saying he's going to be talky like DeBrusque, who's, you know, mostly talking gibberish. <laughs> Look, I happen to be talky and insightful. I don't expect lots of people to be that way. You're put out in front of the media on breakout, uh, breakup day. And sometimes you don't really know what to say because you haven't really thought about it too much. Maybe over the summer he'll have more to say about it and he'll be in the area. So there you go. Um, others, let's see, Lausanne's, Lausanne had surgery after that broken hand in the first round, apparently. Oh, God. And then he came back. So he broke both hands this season. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was just like, after hearing that, it's like, okay. And remembering how actually good he was before the first broken hand. <laughs> Maybe there's still a player in there somewhere. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about soft hands right now, but. <laughs> Brittle. Brittle's the word you want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the players who was not injured was Taylor Hall. I don't think, I don't think, has he ever been injured? I don't know. Yeah, he missed a big chunk of his second to last, of his last full season in um, uh, in, in, in um, uh, New Jersey. Like, quite a bit of it. Okay. So, uh, he's not injured. He's, he, he does not want maximum money. And he wants a good does fit. not. Rachie's next contract money has nothing to do with it, is what he said. And all of their, their agents are, are very sad now. <laughs> I bet every one of them got a call after, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Could you make it any harder for me? Brad Marchand said that his sports hernia only started feeling better last month. He played through all of that. I think he's an Art Ross contender next year based on that. He was third in scoring by a mile because McDavid's McDavid, but still. McDavid suddenly has to play non-Canadian teams, you know, his his, his point totals are going to go down. Not necessarily by much, because he, he still is always scoring bunches of goals. But, like, wow. Other people, Lazar, somehow had, what was it, a, a sprained MCL on a bruised ACL? Yeah, I didn't even know you could bruise an ACL, but here we are. No surgery, which is nice to hear. Yep. Um, uh, Smith was playing through a groin injury, which we would force explain in the, the missed game uh, two? Yes. Yep. Camper apparently played for weeks injured to the point where he, where, he, where he couldn't rotate his hand in the end. Yep. He needed surgery. Good soldier. Good soldier. Uh, and also, contrary to the rumors, uh, no, he did not sign a contract with the KHL team. He had gotten offers, but he had categorically not accepted any. He wants to play in the NHL again. Yeah. Right. He's a good piece to have for the role that he's in. Honestly, I really like him as uh, as your depth defenseman, and I would re-sign Tenorti for the same. Like, you don't want Tenorti every day, but like when called upon, much like Camfer, he gets the thing done. Right. Speaking of defensemen, Kevin Miller was looking to come back for Game 7, wasn't sure, but pretty sure he was going to be back for it. I think his career's done. Usually when a player says, discuss with my family, that means I'm retiring. I'm just not prepared to say it out loud yet. <laughs> well, I was going to get to that, but okay. 
We jumped the gun. It's fine. Sorry. And Carlo said that off the ice, he felt great. On the ice, he felt dizzy. And he's not worried about residual effects from the concussions that he's had every year. Which, like, okay, I applaud the optimism. And, like, yeah, there's cases. There's definitely players that, you know, do recover from recurrent concussions without sure. any meaningful effect. I mean, look at Berge. He's had a whole bunch of, bunch of them, right? Every time he takes a hit to the head, it's like, oh, no! And then he comes back, like, games later. I mean, when they tell you to go on vacation, you're done. You're done. And he came back from that. And then he got concussions after that, and he's been fine, that we know of. But... I worry for Carlo. He's basically like, I'm wondering if there's something I can do to prevent myself from getting concussions. He had no problem with the Clutterbuck hit, and nobody did. I mean, the only reason why I don't like that hit is what happened after. It was not the hit itself. I was going to say that hit was beautifully clean. It's just, like, unfortunate that Carlo's head ended up ping-ponging. <laughs> did Grizzly have any remarks? He had, like, a, a groin injury or something, or a hip injury. His his lower uh, uh yes yeah it was a hip in, yeah, it was a, a hip injury his early, his one in the early season but again he didn't all the various times he missed it, missed time it wasn't for the same injuries but he wasn't more specific than that no no he kept getting different lower body injuries which was probably frustrating for him McAvoy McAvoy no McAvoy no lingering effects from the Palmieri hit somehow yep so that's good Cliffy understands that he may well be expansion fodder as does richie two of them didn't have a whole lot else to say yeah richie said he didn't want to leave boston but okay debrusque i think doesn't actually get it his comments just talked about proving people wrong not actually fixing his game i think he hit the wrong note there i'll be honest with you if he doesn't end up in seattle i can't see him being with the team next year whether he's traded or he demands a trade I, after he, the way he had been treated. Now I'm not saying that he's necessarily been treated badly, but I could see from his point of view that he thought he was being treated poorly. I can't imagine why he wants to be on this team anymore. Oh, I can't either. Why is he not demanding a trade out? There are teams that would, would be like, great, I can take this guy and I can try to, to work on him or something. I don't know. I mean, honestly, he seems like the perfect the perfect project for Seattle, if you ask me. But life doesn't work out like that. Why would Seattle take them when they could take Cliffy? I'm not saying I want or don't want DeBrusque here, but I don't expect him here in the fall. I think he's past the point of being fixable with the Bruins. Yep. Go somewhere else be uh, and have your redemption. And, like, I understand that, like, he's a sing young single guy. COVID was hard. The last, this season was hard on him. But, like, and I saw people making that excuse. People that should know fucking better. It's like, no, DeBrusque has been a shit for much longer than that. <laughs> he just, it got worse. Oh, yeah. It got, it get it got exponentially worse. Yes. But, like, he was a problem before the world fell apart 15 months ago. Yeah. It just went from a small problem to a very big one. That's all. <laughs> the only improvement that he did was he basically managed to find his way into the penalty kill, which is not something he had done before. But he didn't really make great strides in his defensive game. Some. No. So basically, he has his himself to blame on this. I don't know if we've mentioned that the... I mean, we've talked so much today. So yeah, obviously the pandemic affected everybody very differently. I'm pretty sure I did talk about this. And Wagner had comments very specifically to that effect. Oh, 
I didn't hear his comments. Wait, Wagner wait. talked about having more anxiety this year than he's ever had before. I could see it. He was more or less the only guy that directly confr- addressed pandemic issues in, during cleanout day. Well, good on him for admitting it. People are afraid to admit these things. I think any time that you can just admit to having some kind of mental health thing going on, you're helping other people that way. You really are. Because people see that guy is suffering from that. Maybe I have something like that going on. I, I think it's a good thing. I'm hoping that he's found some ways to deal with that or will find ways to deal with that in the future. Maybe he won't have it in the future and that'll be great. Good on him for admitting it. And so it obviously affected his play. Not that he was like the best player ever, but it affected his play. Yeah. Only player left that we didn't address their comments is Corrali. All he had to say was that there have been no conversations, which like everyone's just like, yeah. We know. (laughs) It's been great. It's been great, Sean, but it's time. Please, dude. It hurts. It hurts. I just... It just hurts. Because I just saw him pleading that he just loves it in Boston. It's all he's known, other than Columbus. I don't want to talk anymore about it. I do want to talk about another thing. We had started talking about this a little earlier about what it would be a good idea for Don Sweeney to do this summer with the McAvoy contract that is uh, that should be coming up soon. Now, obviously, he has to sign Brandon Carlo to a new deal this year. And oddly enough, Brandon might benefit more from the fact that he was absent during a, during a, a period of time where they really could have used him. But he probably has not gotten himself a substantial raise because he has some injury issues. But let's talk about McAvoy for a little bit because you, Jeff, had talked about how it would really behoove Don Sweeney to sign him before he becomes a Norris finalist, maybe next year. Yes, so Norris finalists were announced this week. You know, um, Adam Fox, who's almost certainly going to win and deserve. Uh, Kale McCarr, which is like, okay, that's good. That's good. Maybe not necessarily the most deserving on his team, but partly because he missed time as like uh, Gerard and Taves were, uh, were were available the whole season. But anyway, okay, that's good. And then Victor Hedman, which is a reputation vote. Hedman had a bad season by his measures, and so which basically means in an average season by anyone else's measure. This is not the Patrice Bergeron reputation vote, which which I would say is uh, preemptively. I would say it is a reputation thing, but he also is really good. This is like Hedman, oh, uh, didn't he win it last year? So we'll nominate him again. I was looking at it because we're not talking about people looking at advanced stats here, right? We're, we're They're looking at basic goals and assists and, oh, you're a defenseman? Oh, that's great. Well, and there's the problem is McAvoy's just not good on the power play. McAvoy had like, did he have 25 or 30 points? And these other guys are up in the 40s. So that's what it came down to. But like, if you look at the deeper numbers, he is the best three zone defenseman in the league at this point. I know, but that's not what they're looking at. A lot of these old guys, they don't look at that crap. They don't. But there are a lot of people who do look at these things, but there are a lot of people who don't. So look, McAvoy's going to get there. He probably deserved to be there this year. He did not get it. So in a way, Don Sweeney lucks out because... Go on and say what you were saying. Once free agency opens this summer, he'll be a year left on his contract and he'll be eligible to be re-signed. His next contract at present won't be a nickel under 8.5. Oh, wow. 
So the only sensible thing to me is make sure you sign him when <laughs> sign him then before he's a Norris finalist and you're stuck with not a nickel under nine point five. True. Lend him his extension this summer. Don't you think it behooves Don Sweeney to sign some other players like David Krejci, like Taylor Hall, who can a help out on on the the penalty kill and b play the two way game to help out McAvoy. What I'm trying to say is it would be a good idea to sign those guys so that McAvoy has even more reason and more help to become the player that he should be. If you let Krejci and Hall walk, you are announcing a tankier, whether it's an whether it's a, del- a deliberate tankier or not. It is a tankier that will compromise your ability to re-sign McAvoy long term. Yes. It's it's a thing they're not going to do in Berkey's last year under contract. They only got Pasternak under contract for two more years. That would be absolutely cruel to do to Marshan. It would be a waste of what probably the last couple of years of, of Brad being elite. Right. So that was the question I wanted to ask you They're earlier. going to re-sign those two players because there's no other option. Okay. Let, especially if you let Krejci walk, your choices for center are like Stasny, RNH, RNH would be a great pickup, but I'd rather I'd still rather have Krejci. My first choice out of those three would be Philip Deneau, to be honest. But so we disagree. It's fine. He's sort of a mini bird. Oh, uh, but oh, come on, les habitants, it, are they are not going to let him get away? They absolutely are. They already he already turned down a pr- pretty prodigious contract offer from them months ago. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite transparent they are going to let they're going to let dan deno go problem oh. is again because he's also younger than the others there's going to be a he's going to get overpaid because there's going to be a bidding war because there's just not a lot of good centers available well well that's that hey well i could throw another name into the mix for you <laughs> jack eichel who it sounds like the Buffalo Sabres and he are going to part ways. That's what Friedman said this week. Yeah, that was something from Friedman on uh, radio in, in Buffalo saying this is straight up like he will not be on that team next fall. It's like, okay. Here's the thing is Boston doesn't have doesn't have the currency. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not suggesting I want this. I'm just saying there's another name out there. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not even saying whether commenting whether I want it or not. I'm just saying it's not possible the end yay okay that's good uh, yeah he's very expensive he's coming off of a neck injury which unless he went against team orders uh it's being uh treated poorly because but, but again we just don't have the assets to make that trade happen all right that's fine with me good there's no way you get him without giving up swayman for one thing and this team this seems the right place for that i i heard they wanted pasta it's like no or McAvoy, like no. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just it. Like, there's, there's nothing that Bruins can give up that makes that make any sense. It's like, well, I mean, but we thought that with the Taylor Hall deal, uh, and they gave him up for pennies and pucks and Bjork. Anyway, yeah. So I don't think there's a scenario that Krejci and Hall don't get resigned. The question is to term in dollars. Honestly, like, unless someone was. Uh, and I think in the Calls case, you just get it done whatever it takes. Although I would be reticent if I was Sweeney to sign anyone to more than three-year term right now, unless they're currently in RFA. With the because rec- there's like the obvious knowledge that like no matter how you slice it, this team is a maximum of three years away from need- from needing a hard rebuild. Mm. But we'll see. Riley, what do you guys think there? I know that he said they've had talks, which I found curious. Which is interesting because a lot of other UFAs have basically seemed to indicate there hadn't been yet. <laughs> Nope, he said there had been talks, 
and that they might be able to work something out. Sounds like he wants to be here. Where have we heard that before? I think they want a lefty who can play alongside Carlo, and they liked how the two of them looked together. What do I think about it? I feel like Riley played very well at first, and then as we kept going further, further towards and into the, the playoffs, mistakes were more obvious. Riley, without Carlo, played a lot of minutes, and it was not good. Like it or not, Brandon Carlo really stabilizes that second pair for basically anybody who's playing it. I don't know. I don't want to commit to a long term with this guy at all. Like, maybe two to three seasons. And then, like, you still got to get another left defenseman. You still got to get another left defenseman. Like, like I, I understand the team believes in, in Lausanne's of the world. They should no longer believe in Zaboral. I hope they don't. But, like, this team needs, like, Jamie, Jamie Alexiak or Alec Martinez this offseason. Mm. Alec Martinez would be perfect. Martinez could play on any pairing as part of it, right? So Alexiak would be a, th- a three left D, which would be just fine. He's a good transition guy. Like, that'd be nice. Okay. So are you saying in addition to or instead of Mike Riley? In addition. Oh, okay. As I tweeted, it's like, you know, someone is like, you're happy with this top four if they bring back Riley? I'm like, yeah. Then just sign a, sign Alexiak or Martinez and you got a stew going. Like, hmm. Okay, well, for me, you know what? It, it really depends on the amount and, and the term, okay? So it, it sounds like, oh, this guy is perfectly serviceable. It sounds like it's going to be like a, a Kevin Miller thing. You know how, remember when he signed that deal, we all hated that deal. And it turns out he didn't mm-hmm. even play two years of that deal. Yeah, so I guess we have to wait and see. I, I, maybe, you know, I, I think he had some really quick chemistry and I think he could build on that. So that's good. And he didn't get to play with Carlo a lot because... Carlo was injured for the first part and then he got injured in the playoffs. So there's a chance that he will look so much better with Carlo. So that's, that's good. I think I'm beyond the point of arguing. Nobody's going to be Tori Krug. Tori Krug's not even going to be Tori Krug anymore. So I do think you need someone that's maybe a bit better on the, on the uh, freaking power play there. Cause uh, Grizzly and Mac and Riley are all fine, but not good enough. Hmm. But maybe it's just we spoiled because we watched Tori Krug quarterbacking the power play for so long. I think we are very spoiled in that way. It is isn't. It is true. That didn't work out, and we're still working through that. You know what, though? This offseason will be interesting. This team has a lot of cap space. It sounds like they're going to be able to sign a bunch of players without eating up all of it. Between the flat cap and expansion, there's going to be players available. Mm. Probably for reasonable trades, we got the cap space for it. I think this will be... Bruins can do some, can do things this year. This summer. All right. So the expansion draft is the thing that's kind of holding things up right now. Uh, yeah. That is July 21st? Something like that. Because I think the draft is the 23rd and the 24th. Yeah, the first round is the 23rd, and then the second through seventh through the 24th. Yeah. And then free agency is like the 28th, I think, yes. or something like that. Yes. Yes. So we're six weeks away from that stuff right now so basically the thing that's holding up the bruins signing guys right now is the expansion draft because if you sign them you have to protect them as i said there's a couple contracts they're going to sort it that it doesn't change their behavior like they can sort out carlo and frederick in the, in the meantime for example right oh wow frederick's off his L- elc huh hmm. Couple other guys that have fit that description too, but like again, they're of no consequence. They're generally people of no consequence. So, 
Right. Carlo is the only significant player that they can sign without having downstream effects. I think we should meet back in like a couple of weeks to talk about all of the expansion stuff or even maybe closer to the date. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll figure that out. But anyway, I have not given a lot of thought to who should be protected and how, but given some time, I, I can look at that. Uh, but anyway, th- so that seems to be the, the mitigating factor right now. Expansion draft. That is on lots of GM's minds. Uh, otherwise, I'm sure that players would have been, well, they'd be talking about that stuff right now. I know that that week is going to be very interesting, though, huh? Between the expansion draft, the draft, and then free agency. Wow. Whew, it's going to be a lot of stuff going on. All right. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? There is one thing I want to talk about. And I've not talked about this with you guys. I am having a really hard time letting go of this podcast. I got very, very upset this week about that with regards to uh, the playoffs ending sooner than I thought and making me think about the end more quickly than I wanted to. Uh, I'm in the bargaining phase right now of my grief where I'm just trying to be like, well, I know I made a decision, but can I change my decision? What can I do? I feel like I need, I feel like I'm just as uncertain about the future of this podcast, though I shouldn't be, but as, as David Krejci is, I feel like I need to talk to a lot of people and figure this out. I don't know. I'm having a hard time. I only say this because a few people have said it too, in different ways. I'll follow you where you want to go. Same. That's, that's, that's my response. Yeah, same. Oh, oh, Captain, my Captain. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Because, you know, I was thinking... Okay, let me just explain this a little further. <clears throat> if we do the podcast in the future, I can't be watching all of the Bruins games. I, I just can't. Remember, before they went on the cup run in 2019, we reduced it to every other week. And then we just went right back to, we- to weekly afterwards without a discussion. Like, And I remember that benefited all of us at the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that, I think maybe, like, I, I'm not ready for the end. I think I should admit that. I'm not ready for the end. I get very upset when thinking about the end. When I didn't get, like, I used to feel relieved I don't feel relieved. Now I feel sad because there's obvious, look, we have camaraderie. We're not going to talk it like this as much as we used to, which is, it's fun. It's frustrating. It's fun. Mostly it's fun, you know? And then here's something I just learned in the last like uh, four or six weeks. All of that editing that I was doing, you know, how I was like carefully editing and doing all these things and very meticulous and stuff. And I'm like, I have kind of let go from that a little bit. I can allow a little imperfection into the podcast and it's fine. And it's a lot faster to edit now. You know, sometimes I don't do as great a job as I'm used to. But for the most part, I think it's pretty good. You know, I I feel like I feel like I this is just a natural part of my my own metamorphosis where I'm just um, like over the last 18 months, I've really been changing how I do things and how, how hung up I am on this idea of perfection, which will never be attained. So that goes to the podcast. And I found that honestly, 
I can spend a couple of hours editing the podcast and it comes out pretty good instead of spending like six hours on it, which was ridiculous. So what I'm trying to say is I don't know if I'm ready to give up this podcast. If we do not give it up, as you've heard the two men tell me, they'll go where I go. You know, it just might change, but frequency might change. So that, and that's fine. And we might focus more on certain games rather than talking about all the games, because I don't think I want to talk about the Buffalo Sabres games four times a year. Honestly, I would prefer not to talk about a single of the teams the Bruins played this year ever again. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I'm just so sick of them all. Uh, yeah. Yes, like, I hated this divisional play format so much. All right, so it's going to be a lot of uh, Canadians, Maple Leafs, as it should be, and Lightning and Fancy Cats talk. <laughs> and then apparently also Ottawa and Detroit because, well, they're also in that in our normal division. <laughs> oh, I forget that. I forgot those two teams like kind of existed this year. Not gonna lie. I mean, like it's a generous definition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I'd prefer to choose they don't exist. So that's how I look at it. So basically, here's what I'm saying. I want listeners of all types, especially the guys and gals and non-binary types. I'm not excluding anybody here who listen to us weekly and look forward to the episodes. I want you to contact me on any of the mediums. Because basically, if you talk to us on uh, on the uh, Barely on Topic uh, podcast Twitter, you're talking to me. You can DM me on Twitter at VA from RI. Yes, I gave you the real one. You could talk to me on Instagram, which is at Queen of Pies. You could talk to me on Facebook. Basically, again, I'm the one who who does the Facebook page. But, uh, you know, some of you already know who I am there, too. You could probably message me on Messenger. However you want to do it. You could even email me at barelyontopic at gmail.com. Okay? You can talk to me in any of these places. And I uh, I just want to hear what you think. Because, like I said, I'm having a hard time giving it up. And uh, usually I'm given to indecision, but I need help. I need your help. I need everybody's help. So I am asking for your help. So help me decide. Help me, you know, tell me things that you like. Tell me things that you don't like. Tell me what you think would be better. Just tell it to me. That's good. All right. I'm not talking anymore. Jeff, we have no more schedule. Unless you just want to reaffirm the the dates that are coming up. So, and again, I'm doing this off memory, not actually going to look them up because I don't have it up in front of me. But so the expansion draft is um, uh, July 21st. Interestingly, the window for signing UFAs and RFAs that are unprotected opens the 18th. Um, important note, something that Pierre Lebrun said on The Athletic this week, Seattle can offer free agents Eight, eight years during that period. Mm. I don't think that'll realistically affect Boston unless they're throwing eight years at Hall. It's probably more likely to be a problem for teams like like uh, Carolina and the Avs, who are likely playing game, going to play games with Dougie Hamilton and uh, Gabriel Landeskog's contracts. <laughs> so it's going to be very fun and exciting to watch all of that. Get your popcorn well, basically, ready. 
basically the Canes have to sign sign and protect Dougie if they want to keep him now because there's no fucking way that I, I can't imagine that that Seattle's not going to try to sign him sign him forever if they can. Right. Regardless right. of what one feels about Dougie's play, Dougie's play and so forth, like that just seems like a thing that an expansion team would choose to do, an opportunity to sign a bona fide star on the back end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I got to tell you, um, I really love what Dougie said uh, to The Athletic this week about the... Um... Oh, during his during his exit interviews at the Canes, yeah. yeah. Well, we lost to a team that was 18, 18 million over the cap. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah, but the league brought this on themselves. Like, they could have... Well, just did it. You, can't, you can't criticize Tampa. They found loopholes. They, they had the opportunity to exploit them. They did it. The league needs to slam this shit shut. I mean, the league brought this on themselves. And and the rest of the league could have offered, could have thrown an offer sheet at Sorelli, at, at their players, to make it harder for them to do this. But they didn't. They decided to play the whole good old boys club and not do anything about it. And this is what happens. And now they complain? Like, fuck off. You had a chance. No, no, uh, the only thing I'll say is that um, uh, offer sheets, the player still has to sign them. That's and some who. players don't want to change, don't want to move on. Like uh, we don't get really information on how many offer sheet offers get out, get 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 pushed out there, but like it's a negotiation. You're not just throwing a contract at the player and saying, "Here, sign this," and they do it. That's not how that works. The player does still need to be prepared to negotiate with other teams. That's true too. And then you could be a team like the Habs, who basically served up Aho on a platter back to his team, the Canes. I don't understand how Bergevin wasn't fired after that. That's like the most boom, like the most absurd thing ever. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so it doesn't always work out, but I didn't look at as, as necessarily just a critique of the Tampa Bay lightning. I feel like when, te- when Dougie says something like that publicly, it is basically an attack on the NHL, you know, for allowing that to happen. And like, just, there's some easy ways to close this loophole. And the big one is for a player to be eligible in the playoffs, they need to have played one regular season game, which forces you to make sure they actually fit under your cap. Yep. So what that does is allows them to play games like um, uh, like Chicago did in 2015 when Kane went down. Because mm. he played most of the season. It was an injury in season that, that, that put him on LTI. That's, that's fair. But like filling all the space that a player that you have every intention of coming back in season because they have pre surgery before a season that shouldn't have been allowed. Right. You, you can even talk, talk conspiratorial about the timing of his surgery and stuff. And there's definitely some merit to it. But the big thing is, is like, there's a pretty tiny rule change that would prevent this. Yep. And they should do, and they should absolutely do that. And it really takes all of the other clubs being annoyed by this to do something mm-hmm. about it. And nobody's going to come out and say anything because it is like, it's a league where, you know, I slap you on the back and you slap me on mine and everything's fine. Or I scratch your back, you scratch mine. There we go. Everything's fine. So whatever. But I just I just wanted to commend Dougie for his coming out and saying something because he's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see the UFA process for Seattle. Indeed. I am excited for Seattle, guys. I mean, I hate that we're going to lose somebody, but I love... I, Seattle's going to be my new mistress team. 
I am so excited. Their uniforms are beautiful. I love the logo. I am there. I love the Kraken. I just love it. I just love it. Oh, so great. I'm same way. I love the I love the logo. I love everything about it. I think that it, the name was good. I know there's a lot of people that dislike the Kraken name, but I yeah, I I hope that they don't call it the Crack House. That's awful. Um, oh, that's true too. Yeah. I mean, it, like, oh god. Okay. So what they're calling the uh, the, the, the the new uh, uh the, the 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 arena is just like, but fine, whatever. It <laughs> is a climate pledge arena or something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, but like fans, don't call it the crack house. Call it like Davy Jones Locker or something and just make it along the same nautical theme and do something cool. Don't don't start calling it the crack house. That's yeah, dumb. Yeah, wherever Kraken come from, I don't call remember. it like Ugoth or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so anyway, I'm very excited for the Kraken. I I cannot wait. And with this new television deal that seems to be getting rid of uh, NHL.tv, I'll be able to watch whatever games I want because I have all of the streaming services. <laughs> Legit, you name it, I have it. So hey. yeah, basically that that's it, you know. Uh, so like uh, ESPN now, ESPN Plus now just puts it on your Hulu ch- change, uh, page for you if you if you have your Disney Plus uh, uh, subscription as well. So yep. you get the ESPN Plus. You used to have to go through a different thing. Now it's just there, so it's like great. Um, so I'm excited. But anyway, so okay, so uh, it, did you list the draft too? Oh, no. So uh, then the following the entry draft is on the first round on the evening of, fri- of Friday, July 23rd. And the um, uh, rounds two through um, uh, seven on July 24th. And then free agency opens on, Ju- on July 28th. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's going to be a lot of moving parts this year, maybe. Kind of. It's it, Everybody's got the same cap number and it's the same one as this past year so again sheer volume of space boston has is a uh, makes it interesting see yeah it feels it feels just like the way everything ended the way the uh the exit interviews went the amount of space the bruins have it feels like one of the more important off seasons in a while yep absolutely absolutely all right, so we uh, we're gonna figure out when we're gonna talk about the expansion draft. I mean, you know, we could talk about it a huge amount of times, or we could talk about it a couple of times before the uh, the actual thing. We'll figure that out. We'll let you know. Um, but in the meantime, I guess it's time to close out this episode, which is gonna be a long um, one, guys. Folks, <laughs> folks, barely on topic. Um, you can find us on um, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Talk to us uh, by following us on Twitter. That's at Barely On Topic, or on Facebook at Barely On Topic Podcast. And then, of course, there's our individual Twitter accounts. I am, for one, at Doctor Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson, and I am at You Really Need to Talk to Me at VA from RI. I know that was straight. Sorry. I'm just like I'm just like I I I I, that wasn't like straight. So said it. So what do I do now? (laughs) (laughs) You laugh because I said it straight. (laughs) 
uh, word? <laughs> 